Well, today is Palm Sunday, and it's a, um, it's a celebration of Jesus and his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And we're going to be reading from Luke chapter 19, beginning at verse 28, through verse 41, and we're reading through the Message Bible. After saying these things, Jesus headed straightway up to Jerusalem. When he, near, when he got near Bethpage and Bethany, at the mount called Olives, he sent two of his disciples with instructions. Go to the village across from you. As soon as you enter, you'll find a colt tethered, one that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says anything, asks, what are you doing? Say, his master needs him. The two left and found it just as he said, As they were untying the colt, its owner said, What are you doing untying the colt? They said, The master needs him. They brought the colt to Jesus. Then, throwing their coats on its back, they helped Jesus get on. And as he rode, the people gave him a grand welcome, throwing their coats on the street. Right at the crest where Mount Olives begins its descent, the whole crowd of disciples burst into enthusiastic praise over all the mighty works that they had witnessed. Blessed is he who comes, the king in God's name. All's well in heaven, glory in the high places. And some of the Pharisees from the crowd told Jesus or told him, Teacher, get your disciples under control. But he said, If they keep quiet, the stones will do it for them, shouting praises. And when the city came into view, he wept over it. If you had only recognized this day, and everything that was good for you. Now, have you ever wondered um, why this would be a triumphal entry into Jerusalem? We find that in five days, he's going to go through the mockery of a trial. He's going to be betrayed. He's going to be beaten. He's going to be crucified. His disciples will be scattered. His followers will be in total disillusion over what has happened And we would look at this event and wonder, how could this be a triumph? Was it a triumph because a group of his followers became all excited and threw their coats on the ground and threw their palm branches in front of the donkey? Certainly there's more to this triumphal entry than just these few things going on. Well, of course we know that it's, as we look back on the event, we look back on this entire week that is going to transpire, we find that it is more than just coming into Jerusalem and with a a group of individuals becoming all excited, where they are making this declaration that Jesus is the, the Son of God and that he is the Messiah, and they're all excited and shouting and laying their coats on the ground. So it is a very joyful time, a very great time for them. But... What makes, I think, what makes this a triumphal entry is that Jesus knew everything that was ahead of him. He knew everything that was before him. The mockery of a trial, the beating, the crucifixion, his death. He knew all of that, and yet he rode victorious into the battle. And this is the challenge that comes to us of this triumphal entry. Jesus rode in triumph 
of that which is yet to happen. He wrote in triumph of how that God was going to work. He was going to work out the will of God in the next few days. Evil was defeated before the battle began. He rides triumphant into he rides triumphantly into the into the face of all of this that is about to happen, and he does so with this victorious attitude. For you see, Jesus is the King of Kings. Jesus is the Lord of Lords. He is the mighty God. He is the everlasting Father. He is the one that death cannot hold and hell cannot stop. He rides into Jerusalem victorious before the battle begins. And see, this is the the aspect even of our faith. As we look at what is before us, going to the military, (laughs) as we look at what's before us, we don't even know. But we know that we can approach it in a sense of victory, know that we can approach life in a sense of, of peace, that if we believe this to be the will of God, we can ride, as it were, into, into the situation with a perspective, with an outcome of victory. That we can approach our life with a perspective that all things are going to work together for good. Because I love God and I feel that this is where God is calling me in my life. So therefore, this will be good. Good for me and bring God, bring God glory and good for my life. Well, look at what's ahead of Jesus. <laughs> look at what is ahead of him. But let's go back. He is victorious before the battle begins. For Jesus is the Messiah. He is the Lord of life. These are titles that are given to him that Jesus lives out. He is the Lord of life. He is the Lord of all. He is the mighty God. He is the Prince of Peace. He is the Holy One. He is Emmanuel. Nothing can change what He is. Nothing can change who He is. Nothing this week can throw at Him will change what the outcome will be. In our life, who are we? In our life, what are we? We are a child of God. We have given our life to Christ Ask him to forgive us. He has a plan for us. He has a purpose for us. We, tell, we, we quote the scripture, while we were yet in our mother's womb, he knew us and formed us. He put in place everything that we would need in our life. It's all in there. And the events of life are only bringing out the qualities of life that God has already had there in reserve. So as I believe that God is at work in my life, I believe that he has given me a triumphal spirit, a triumphal attitude about myself and about whatever is going to come in front of me because I ride with him. He doesn't ride with me. I walk with him into my life. And as we look at Jesus, who, the God who spoke the universe into existence and the solar systems into existence, yet knows, keeps them all in order, keeps all of the things in place, everything balanced on the scales of rotation and and timing and 
and gravitational pull and the moon and the stars. He has all of these things working in harmony together, works into harmony our life, your life and my life. He works out, he has a plan for us. And as we allow God, as we allow ourselves to walk with God, ride with God, in triumph of our life, we go forward knowing that the outcome will be victorious no matter what we face. Jesus is God with us. Jesus in my life gives me the victory before the battle begins. There is no defeat in God's plan. There is no defeat in his word. What he has spoken, what he has spoken must be fulfilled. What the prophets had spoken about the Messiah would be fulfilled in Christ. Jesus spoke and he brought the world into existence. He made the light. He is the light. Light and darkness cannot exist together. They cannot coexist. Light dispels darkness. And Jesus is the light of the world. And so whenever we feel like we are in the dark, <laughs> Jesus is our light. Now, I know in some, maybe in some relationships, you know, we're talking, well, why didn't you tell me that? Oh, I did. Well, it feels like I'm in the dark over this. <laughs> well, pay attention and you won't be. <laughs> you know, relating that. I won't say that Rhonda said that or I said that. You know, I won't say that. But, you know, maybe some of you have been in the dark, you know, about certain things. So <laughs> what do we need? We need a little light shining on the subject. And so sometimes the light that is needed to shine on the to shine. Anyhow, whenever there's a light that needs turned on, <laughs> sometimes we have to give the information. And Jesus is the light that enlightens us. His word enlightens our path. So as Jesus is triumphantly riding into Jerusalem, into the holy city, what happens? The religious order, the religious people, the, the high priests, they come to Jesus and they tell him, you know, get your followers to stop crying out, Hosanna. Things are getting out of hand. The Romans, well, there was no religious power that could stop Jesus from riding into Jerusalem. No political power, no Roman army, no Roman governors could stop him from becoming and fulfilling his mission. They can't alter the road that Jesus will travel. Because this road has been planned by God and nothing can stop it. And there is a plan and there is a purpose and as we follow that plan and we follow that purpose, we ride with Jesus victorious even though the events may seem to be a disillusion, a disappointment that Jesus is going to and experience the pain of suffering and death but yet he rides triumphantly. He rides a donkey. You know, we would think, well, he should ride a white stallion. Well, actually, tradition has it that a donkey is the, the preferred animal of kings coming back from victory. It is, the, it is the victorious that they have completely and totally defeated their enemy, and they're riding in on a donkey. It symbolizes their conquering. He rides the Jerusalem road to the cross, to the tomb, he rides this to the resurrection. And they're all ahead of him in this coming week. Oh, death, 
where is your sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Death cannot hold the author of life. Darkness cannot extinguish light. He rides meekly. He rides humbly. Loving all of his children, not willing that any should perish. If you had only recognized this day, he tells the, he rides to the city of Jerusalem, he weeps over it. He said, if you'd only recognized this day and everything that was good for you. If we could only recognize, you know, and I, as I read through this and I'm reading that verse and I'm thinking, how often in my own life would it be that if I could only recognize this day, everything that God has for me that was good? And, 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 I, and, so, and I think, well, I would certainly recognize something good. Well, here it is, Jesus riding into Jerusalem, and these, these religious leaders look right at the face of Jesus, the face of God, and say, could you make your disciples stop yelling? They saw him but didn't recognize him. And Jesus says here, as he weeps over the city and prays, he says, if you you would recognize this day everything that was good for you. You know, I pray that sometimes that God would open our eyes, that there's so much good going on around us, and we don't see it. That God is so active around us, and we don't even recognize him. We're like the religious rulers that, you know, oh, could you get these people to shut up? <laughs> you know, they're too excited. You can't be the Messiah. If you were the Messiah, surely I, we would recognize it. <laughs> and sometimes we're almost that arrogant. If this were the hand of God, surely I would know it. And God is saying, hello, David, it is, it's me. He would be victor over sin. He would be victor over the pain. He would be victor over the suffering. He would be victor over death. And as they tied him to the post and stripped him of his flesh, if you had only recognized this day everything that was good for you, he rode victorious into Jerusalem. I want to read Isaiah chapter 53 verses 2 through 6. And this again is from the Message Bible. It says, this is Isaiah's prophecy. Um, I'm forgetting how many years, 500, 700 years, somewhere before um, this happens. He says, the servant grew up before God. And he's speaking of Jesus, and he's prophetically seeing this. The servant grew up before God, a scrawny seedling, a scrubby plant in a parched field. He's speaking of Jesus. There was nothing attractive about him, nothing to cause us to take a second look. He was looked down on and passed over, a man who suffered and who who knew pain firsthand. One look at him and people turned away. We looked down on him, though he was scum, thought of him as scum. But the fact is, It was our pains he carried, our disfigurements, all the things wrong with us. We thought he brought it on himself, that God was punishing him for his own failures. But it was our sin that 
did that to him, that ripped and tore and crushed him, our sins. He took the punishment, and that made us whole. Though and through his bruises we get healed, we're all like sheep who've wandered off and gotten lost. We've all done our own thing and gone our own way. And God has piled all our sins, everything we've done wrong, on him. On him. (laughs) If you had only recognized this day, what it is before you. He rode triumphantly into Jerusalem. He rode, and as a suffering Savior, the sins of humanity, your sins, my sins, lay upon him. He would be the sacrifice. He would pay the debt of sin for all. He would be the living sacrifice by his stripes. He would bring healing to our lives. By his blood, he will wash away every stain of sin. He rides triumphantly to fulfill the word of God. He fulfills the word that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. That's why the sacrifices were initiated in the Old Testament. But Jesus rode triumphantly. Jesus was not blind to what was happening. It was for this day, he said, that he became man, Emmanuel, God with us. He came to fulfill the will of promise. It is this time not to do his own will, but the will of the Father. The religious leaders, they hadn't a clue. They didn't know what to do with Jesus. When they saw what Jesus was doing, do you know what their thought was? Here is a guy who raised Lazarus from the dead. He was in the tomb four days. And he called his name and brought him out of the tomb. There was great celebration over this. The religious leaders looked at this. And you know what they said? We have to kill Jesus. And we have to kill Lazarus. So that his popularity will stop. We have to get rid of him so that his popularity will stop. Do we see God as active in our lives? Do we see the hand of God? And this is, you know, I look at this week. This is the week of reflection. This is a week for us to just kind of step back and see and remember what God has done for us. You know, this, this, this message is one of, you know, it's not that cheerful. That's next Sunday, okay? You got to come back next Sunday for the resurrection, okay? This is the week, okay? So you understand where I'm going with it. Boy, he's really a downer today. You know, Pastor, I think, can't you lift us up? This, you know, I got enough down stuff. But this is the reflective part of our lives that we need to look at and see that Jesus rode into this week. He went into this week knowing what was happening, knowing what would happen to him, He who knew had no sin became sin because of me. Someone loves me enough to take away everything that would separate me from God. Every possibility of separation, every possibility of pain, every possibility of death came and took that under control. He rode into that. The scripture says, 
we think of it. <laughs> the scripture says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. The endurance of what is taking place in this week, in this holy week, the endurance of it is that God became man. He did not, see there's, there's all kinds of different philosophies out there about how that Jesus, um, there, this, this teaching was, came up at, even at the time of Christ after his death and resurrection. There was a teaching that said that Jesus was really not divine. That he was human and the Spirit of God came, on, came upon him at, John, at the baptism and then at the crucifixion left him, left him to die. <laughs> you know, it's like, well then God didn't die for us. As if God somehow removed himself from the body of Jesus and, and, the, and Jesus the man died and the spiritual never, never encountered it. Not true. The whole purpose is, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, he gave himself. For God so loved the world, what did he do? What did he do? For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. See, the purpose of this is that sin has come into our life, and God said, I'll pay the price for that sin. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. Without the sacrificial lamb, there is no remission of sin. Jesus became the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. If you look at, see, no one, no other religion, no other philosophy has this. You have 1,500 years of a sacrificial system being in place in the Jewish, in the Jewish customs and traditions. 1,500 years of prophets talking about a Messiah coming, of a sacrificial system where God is going to take away the sin of the world, where a lamb must be sacrificed for the people. And you have a whole sacrificial system established. And Jesus comes, fulfills each part of the sacrificial system. He fulfills each of the prophecies of those 1,500 years. He rides into Jerusalem knowing what is expected of him, that he is to die for the sins of humanity. He is to be the Lamb of God to take away our sin. Christianity is God providing for us so that we can be forgiven and have entrance to heaven. All the other religions is that you must perform up to a standard where God will look favorably upon you. And if he doesn't, well, try again. <laughs> Reincarnation. Did you know that in India, um, the, the lower class of people, those who are beggars and those who are dying, you know, that are on the streets and so on. They make no provisions for them. There's no provisions for the people of the lower class because this is their punishment for a previous life um, failing at a previous life. So therefore, to interfere with this failure is only to continue to propagate their failures in the next life. So therefore, they do not have to take care of these individuals. 
If they had lived a quality life, they would have been reincarnated at a higher level. And the idea is you keep trying to do it until you reach the point where you don't have to come back again. Jesus says, the word says, by his blood, he washes away every sin. You see, how blind people can be. You know, when they, when they, when the religious, the religious rulers at the time of Christ, they look at the face of Jesus and say, tell your, tell your followers to calm it down a little bit. These people are looking at the face of God and not recognizing him. If you had only recognized, Jesus says, this day. He rides triumphantly through the doubts, through their criticisms, through their formalities. He rides to the whipping post where they are going to take out the catty nine tails. You know, the catty nine tails is a nine-pronged whip with pieces of bone or metal. And he is going to be stripped Isaiah says that his back will be as a plowed field. That there will not be one piece of flesh left unturned. This is the whipping that Jesus would take. By his stripes we are healed. By his blood we are washed of our sin. This is his body broken and given for us. Jesus says to them, You do not take my life, I give it. Jesus said, you would have no say in any of this if it were not given to you by my Father. Jesus says, I lay down my life and I will take it up again. What he is doing is not in the control of others. What he is doing is fully in control of himself. He rides triumphantly to the cross. The mock, the mocking of the religious rulers at his dying hours. They said, if you be the son of God, come down from the cross. Show us, show us that you are God and we will believe. It's like no matter what miracle Jesus performed, it wasn't good enough. You have to do one of our choosing, not one of yours. If you had only recognized this day. He could have called 10,000 angels to destroy the world and set him free, but he he chose not to. Why? He loved us. It wasn't the nails that held him to that cross. It was his love for us that we would spend an eternity with him. Our faith is not about condemnation and guilt and separation Our faith is about restoration, about forgiveness, about walking with God each day of our life, about allowing God and his word to create in us a clean heart, renew a right spirit within us, give us victory over what is ahead of us in our life, that the past is forgiven and it is forever removed from our life, that it will never be remembered against us. This is the week that Jesus is riding into. This is the week This holy week of preparation, he knew what he was doing. It didn't catch him by surprise. He rode victorious, triumphal entry of Jesus. He rode victorious into this week. He rides in triumph. He rides in triumph to the tomb. 
It is finished. My task is complete. One of the things about the tomb that that is so, I think I read this last year for the first time, that when the disciples rushed into the tomb, they immediately believed. Why? Why would they immediately believe? As they would run into the tomb, they saw and they believed and they went out knowing that he was risen from the dead. How? In the preparation of the body, there was 150 pounds of this preparation spread over the body of Jesus and over the linens. 150 pounds of this powder formed around the body of Jesus. And there would have been wet and almost like a a cast made out of flour. And when Jesus rose from the dead, he rose out of that flowery cast. And when the disciples went in, there was nobody in there. There was no one in there. That's why they looked at the tomb and they believed. It wasn't that somebody had come and unwrapped the, 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 the wrappings and pulled him out and took him somewhere. It was that they walked into this place and saw it. Jesus rode triumphantly into Jerusalem knowing all of this was going to take place, knowing that he was going to be beaten and scourged, knowing that by his stripes we would be healed, knowing that by his blood we would be forgiven, that by his spirit we would be victorious. What evil plot can take us off of our course? The evil plot could not take Jesus from his course, neither can it do us in our life, because we ride with Jesus triumphantly. What position of power can ruin the will of God? We ride triumphantly with Jesus. What act of vengeance or blindness of others can stop the will of God? None, for we ride victorious with Jesus. We ride triumphantly into life, knowing that God is the victor and nothing can ever separate us from the love of God. Nothing can ever remove you from the hand of God. We see this in this triumphal entry of Jesus. We ride with him down the road where evil plots, wickedness schemes, but Jesus has a purpose and a will. It is a triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem to finish the work that God has for his creation to finish the work that we would have eternal life. The work is finished on the cross. We are now complete in him. Death cannot hold life, for Jesus is the author of life, and so that is the life that I live, and that is the life that he lives through me. So as we prepare our hearts for this week, it is a solemn task that we look at, that we are reflecting on. Are we unworthy? Of course. But he loves us in spite of our sins. He looks beyond our faults. He looks beyond our failures. He doesn't look at anything wrong that we've ever committed. He looks 
at what we need, and we need forgiveness. He looks at what we can become, and he empowers us to become that. He, we ride victorious into life. And then I close with this. It's a song from years ago. It says, Just let me live my life. Let it be pleasing, Lord, to thee. And should I gain any praise, let it go to Calvary. With his blood, he has saved me. With his power, he has raised me. To God be the glory for the things he has done. Shall we stand? (laughs) Sorry. (sighs) So we take a deep breath. We, in a solemn spirit, recognize God's love for us. But in a victorious understanding, we approach our life. That God will guide us, God will direct us, and that it is his plan that we desire to fulfill. And in doing so, he will guide us. So as Jesus approaches this week, he rides into Jerusalem, a triumphal entry knowing all the things that are going to take place, they don't deter him because for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. The joy was you and I spending eternity with him. That was the joy that kept him on course to go through this week. So think of ourselves, of how privileged we are that God would love us that much. Amen? Say amen. Amen. Do you believe it? Say amen. Amen. God bless you. Amen.